1: If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From
0: BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
2: He says, somebody's in the house, and I
0: screamed... (laughs)
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: Hey, warm up the low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family of Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as... We're going to be joined here in a few minutes by Danny Vietti. I'm not going to put in there a break or anything like that. I don't want to give you guys five minutes of a baseball podcast, take a break, and then we do like a 10-minute interview, take a break, and then you get like 10 to 12 minutes of analysis. That would be too many breaks, so we're limiting the breaks on this one and we're just going to get right into it with Danny Vietti in a few minutes who does great work over at CBS Sports and he is one half of the Wake and Rake podcast does that with Will Middlebrooks. He's going to be joining me, and we're going to be taking a look at what we've all gotten with regards to these final four teams that are remaining in the postseason, some of the keys for both of the teams that are down to be able to claw their way back into it, some of the X factors that we are going to be seeing with regards to both of these series as well, so we're just going to be taking a look at a lay of the land as to what we're getting, and I'm also going to be asking Danny about how to gauge home field advantage this postseason and how it's been really stark with regards to the difference that we're seeing with regards to home field advantage in the National League side of things and the American League side of things so we're going to be touching upon that in a few minutes here in this segment I'm gonna, just going to recap the two games that we saw on Thursday and then in the final segment going to get you guys picks and analysis with regards to game number 5 of the ALCS and game number 4 of the NLCS as we touch them all we'll throw in there a little bit of a disclaimer have to do the game 5 ALCS handicap a little bit blind just because this does need to be pre-recorded and typically you just don't get numbers until after the game finishes up and with having to do the Greg Peterson experience from midnight to 3 Eastern time. That would be 9 to midnight specific time. Do need to do it before the openers come out, but I've got my exact handicap. I've got what I'm all taking a look at, so we've got you guys covered there, and if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able for those in. First one is my Twitter slash X-Timeline, at D one Keep in mind, Lurzium. Maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter slash X questions, so let's take a look back at both games that we saw on the board on Thursday, try to get to know these teams a little bit better and get a lay of the land as to what we're getting this postseason. season. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. The underdogs just continue to bark here in the playoffs as the Arizona Diamondbacks to get the job done 2-1. to one. They snapped my 6-game win streak with regards to DK Network right great picks as I was on the Phillies' money line, and I love the way that Ranger Suarez pitched for our bankroll. Five and a third inning scoreless. He did his part. Jeff Hoffman, a pair of outs, uh, the bullpen, and then I always get this one wrong so I apologize if I butcher this guy's name, but Orion Kirk King, he came out there. Why they put him in a high leverage spot? I have no idea. He gave up a run. He gave up three hits without getting a single out, and then Jose Alvarado from there, 15 pitches, goes two scoreless settings. That's the guy that they should have went with to start with, and then Craig Kimbrell was all out of sorts, couldn't find the zone, walked a pair of guys, and allowed the game-winning run as Kitel Marte of the Marte Party walks it off on a walk-off single. Meanwhile, for the years, in a Diamondbacks, Brandon Fought was absolutely tremendous. Nine strikeouts, five and two-thirds scoreless. You did have Andrew Selfrank give up a run while getting just an out, out of the bullpen. He was not able to find the zone. And by the way, including regular season, that was a first ever run I, Andrew Selfrank has given up at the big league level, which I thought was relatively insane. And then from there, Paul Sewell, Kevin Ginkle, Ryan Thompson, they're all able to lend a scoreless setting for both of these teams. Had a rough time catching in with regards to scoring opportunities. The Diamondbacks went 3 of 11 with Ben in scoring position, but it did feel like they still let a lot of scoring opportunities go by the wayside. They Left 10 men on base. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, they had a bad double play ball that they grounded into. And in I believe it was the seventh inning when they scored their lone run on a wild pitch. So. That was a little bit off-putting for them, and I'm doing this as the Astros and Rangers are going at it, and we know that the overalls are right, Cash, and I'd be very surprised if the Houston Astros do not get the job done. I'm doing this late in the 5th inning, going into the 6th inning with the Astros up by a count of 7-3. to You didn't get great length for the Astros out of Jose Urikidi. Goes 2 third innings, gives up 3 runs. Right now it's Hunter Brown trying to hold down the fort and trying to lend a little bit of length as for the Rangers. They did get a pair of home runs off of him. Corey Seager, second of the postseason and Adoles Garcia third, but you got even worse length out of the duo of Andrew Heaney and Dane Dunning. I'm sure that the Rangers were hoping and praying that these guys would be able to fill about six or so innings he get three innings a piece. And Dunning provided two and two thirds innings, but allowed three runs along the way and Andrew Heaney, he got two outs, and he gave up three runs. From there, Chase Bradford has been able to provide a pair of outs, gave up a run, and that run was a sole home run as going deep off of him, Jose Abreu, his fourth home run of the postseason, then Chris ran a scoreless inning. So that game is already over. So he had one over, one under, and right now with the Houston Astros, they were a very, very slight favorite. Had a lot of books on the close. They open up a very slight underdog, so you probably are going to be able to get the favorite in, here, but certainly it has been a dog sort of postseason in general. We shall see if that continues on Friday, but a man that just continues to provide great content is Annie Vietti over at CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at slash X. Add his first and last name, Danny Vietti. Last name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I. And Danny, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Always
2: glad to join, Greg. Thanks for having me.
3: Always great to have you aboard. And Danny, as we record this, we're doing this right around about 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So a little bit murky as to the exact situations that we're going to be getting on Friday. But certainly, you're not going to be seeing any sort of a sweep with the ALCS. Unfortunately, we are actually going to be getting... Both games. But before we dive in on both of these series, I want to ask you how much of a role has home field been playing with regards to this postseason? Because I know that it's always something that is pronounced a little bit with regards to baseball, but I think a lot of people look at baseball and they think, oh, it's not the same home field slash home court that you're going to get in. Like, college basketball, for example. But I think it's been really pivotal here in 2023. Well, it's been polar
2: opposites on each end of the spectrum. In the American League, The Houston Astros, for whatever reason, struggled at home all season long. I want to say there were 12 games under 500 at Minute Maid Park and they were something like 15, 20 games over 500 on the road. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was it was something weird like that. It's like a backward splits type situation. Doesn't make much sense, especially the Houston Astros team that has so much experience and so much playoff experience. You know, you get that home crowd behind you. There's not much sense to it. Whereas you look at the nationally side of things and Philadelphia has been the ultimate home field advantage. I mean, the environment at the banks like Woodstock every single time that the Phillies step on the field. Fans are up out of their seats, their signs. I mean, they're just, they're going berserk. So in the American League, it's been the complete opposite. Um, and in Arizona, really hasn't played many home games because they had the disadvantage of being the number six seed on the National League side of things. And then the Texas Rangers also had a little bit of a disadvantage coming into game three, where they finally got back to Globe Life Park. They'd only played one home game at home, the Texas Rangers did. So it's postseason time. You don't want to make any excuses by any means. You definitely don't want to blame home field advantage for any type of beneficiaries or anything. But it's been kind of a weird postseason in regards to home field advantage. But the Phillies are certainly reaping the benefits.
3: Oh, no doubt about it. And to your point on the Astros, 51 and 30 during the regular season on the road, 39 and 42 at home, though. The Rangers, 50 and 31 at home, 40 and 41 on the road. And even though they dropped Game number three at home. I didn't think that that was so much of fans. That was Mad Max Scherzer having not pitched on a big league mound in about five and a half weeks trying to find his sea legs in what I think is going to be very much an offense-oriented series moving forward out there in the state of Texas as Danny Vietti who does tremendous work over at CBS Sports is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show and we don't know how game four went quite yet what we do know is that this has been very much a pair of teams that have been driven by offense all season long but I do think that the pitching matchup that we're going to be getting for game number five it's going to be interesting it's going to be a rematch of game one with Justin Verlander going for the Astros you've got Jordan Montgomery on the bump. For the Texas Rangers. How do you take a look at this game? Because I do think that this is a major do or die game for Texas. And even if they aren't able to win the game, I think it's going to be just so pivotal for Jordan Montgomery, for lack of a better term, to be an innings eater, just because I feel like the longer the series goes, the worse it is for the Rangers just because their pitching depth isn't quite on par with that of the Houston Astros, in my opinion.
2: It's the battle of former New Yorkers, right? Verlander with the Mets, (laughs) Montgomery the former Yankee. That's what's been the recipe for the Texas Rangers here in the postseason is they have forced opposing teams – to play into their hands and to play the game that they want to play. What the Rangers do well is they have really good starting pitching with guys like Eovaldi and Montgomery and when Scherzer was healthy and when DeGrom was healthy earlier on in the season. What they don't do well is they don't have a lot of depth and their bullpen. What do they have to do to combat a poor, frankly, bullpen is you have to have your starters pitch deep in the ballgames. They have the lineup to compete with the best of them. I mean, Texas Rangers offensively this season in the American League were first or second in almost every single category. If they were second, they were only second to the Tampa Bay Rays. So offensively, they swing it with the best of them. It really just comes down to whether they're starting pitchers can pitch deep in the ball games. So far, Jordan Montgomery has been able to do so. So far, Anthony Evaldi has been able to do so. So far, however, Max Scherzer, at least in that one game, he put his bullpen and his team in a bit of a, I should say, unfamiliar because they've had all their starters pitching deep in the ball games. So in game three at home, Scherzer put his team at a disadvantage and in a bit of an unfamiliar situation, at least in the postseason, because his bullpen all of a sudden now had to cover six innings and that's not what they do well so they have to have Jordan Montgomery and their starters pitch deep in the ball games or else Houston and that lineup is going to feast off that bullpen.
3: Yep they certainly are going to and with this Houston Astros lineup they haven't necessarily gotten what they've wanted out of a few of the guys towards the middle of the fold like Kyle Tucker and company but the way that Jordan Alvarez has been able to carry them all throughout the postseason that has been so critical as well so I think that that is going to be really interesting to take a look at and we are currently doing this as Diamondbacks versus Phillies is right now in the ninth inning. And as we do this, the Diamondbacks are threatening in a one-to-one game. But how do you take a look at the rest of this series? Because I think that even if the Arizona Diamondbacks are able to fall out game three, I just think that they're going to be up against it because in game four, they're going to have to throw out there pretty much a poo-poo platter of pitchers. I'm thinking that you're going to get something like Ryan Nelson as, like, an opener. Maybe you go with, like, Slates as Sony, things like that. It's pretty much a bullpen game plus for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, with the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that just pitching depth in general for them, having Taiwan Walker, Christopher Sanchez, if they choose to utilize either of those guys for a start, I think that that's absolutely massive in this spot.
2: I mean, if you're just looking on paper, it's very obvious that Arizona has quite a bit of holes and Philadelphia really has zero holes. I mean, Philadelphia, they have three... Three dominant starting pitchers, Suarez, Wheeler, and Nola. And then they can also go to Taewon Walker for a fourth starter. Bullpen-wise, they have three to four high leverage arms. High 90s velocity with movement. Alvarado, Kimbrell, Dominguez. They have zero holes, and I didn't even get to the lineup. That one through nine is just an absolute force. Arizona is at a disadvantage, and they're very clearly not on the same Level talent wise on paper as Philadelphia, but what Arizona has it, it, that the Phillies don't really have, you're playing with house money. So you have nothing to lose. Arizona was never supposed to be in a position that they're in right now. They were never supposed to get by the Brewers. They were not supposed to get by the Dodgers. And here they are. If you're Arizona, you just leave it all on the field. You have nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting you to win this series. Nobody was expecting Brendan fought to shut down the Philadelphia. Phillies offense. And that's exactly what he did. So you just try and ride whatever momentum you can gain and see what happens and see where the cards fall.
3: Yep, absolutely. And I think that that's a big word there, momentum, because I and with Brandon fought him being able to give the start that he did against the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that that's just absolutely massive. And I'm not sure if you take a look at the lay of the land right now in Major League Baseball, but I truly do think that the Phillies are the team to beat for the World Series. I was even saying that going into that series against the Atlanta Braves, I felt like, whoever won that series, they would be that team to beat to be able to win the World Series. I've just been so impressed by this Philadelphia Phillies team, and I think that even if the Astros are able to come back and win the series against Texas, I would have the favor personally to be able to win the World Series, being these Philadelphia Phillies with the way that they're playing right now.
2: I talked about holes, right? And I've really kind of come to this realization more and more, especially this postseason. When you're looking at which teams are going to go on a run, I look at not necessarily the talent they have, but the talent that they're lacking. It's just another way of saying, like, where are their holes? And I mentioned Philadelphia's starting pitching. They don't have a hole. Uh, I mentioned Philadelphia's bullpen. They do not have a hole. They have four to five high leverage arms. The lineup, they have nine guys, eight guys with an OPS near 800. There's nowhere that you can capitalize on deficiencies with Philadelphia. I look at across the league, Milwaukee got exposed offensively and that's where they were lacking in talent. The Dodgers got exposed starting pitching wise. They came into this postseason with injury concerns. You look across the league and a lot of these teams that are getting beat, they're getting beat in areas where we thought they were lacking either in talent or health. And you look at Philadelphia, They're the favorites and should be the favorites because they're not only healthy, but they're talented in every single department that you need to be talented in. And right now they're the healthiest, they're the hottest, and they're the most talented team left in the postseason.
3: Oh, no doubt about it. As shown to me on the show, we do have Danny Vietti. He does amazing work over at CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake podcast. And I do want to just throw this out there as well in terms of just all four teams remaining. We've got ourselves two tremendous series, in my opinion. But is there an X factor that you're going to be looking at with regards to either series? Maybe it's someone that we haven't been talking about here in the postseason. Maybe it's someone that is perhaps underachieved a little bit that could be that difference maker. If, say, the Arizona Diamondbacks make a comeback, if, say, the Philadelphia Phillies, maybe they're leaning on some tough times in the series against the Diamondbacks, they rise up, or vice versa in the other series. Someone that needs to step up for either the Astros or the Texas Rangers.
2: I'll start with Philadelphia and Arizona. I think Philadelphia has such... An embarrassment of riches at this point that they don't have or need an x-factor they're they're just that good arizona is just so outmatched that i could pick an x-factor like alert escurriel and i still don't think it's enough so i don't really think there's quite an x-factor for arizona philadelphia houston i absolutely believe will get back into the series as they did in game three and you mentioned kyle tucker he's batting under 100 here in this postseason he was their mvp in the regular season. Jordan Alvarez is hitting everything that he can possibly find out into the right field stands right now. So he's swinging arguably the hottest bat in the postseason right now he just needs a little bit of protection around him Jose Altuve went yard in game three I'd like to think he could get the bat rolling here too Kyle Tucker I think is going to be the x-factor so that that Houston offense can finally get things going against Texas pitching
3: oh I am right there with you because I was talking about Jordan Alvarez all the production that he's been able to give the Houston Astros if you could just get a little bit more out of the rest of the lineup even someone like say Chaz McCormick for example as well if these guys were able to step up Jeremy Pena He's had a little bit of a rough postseason as well. If these guys are able to step up, would be absolutely massive for the Houston Astros. And what has been massive for this show is getting on great guests all season long. And Danny, you are certainly one of them. You do a tremendous work over at CBS Sports, your own podcast, Wake and Rake Podcast. So, Let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
2: Lots and lots of playoff content coming down the pipeline. All your favorite listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Wake and Rake Podcasts, and all the written work on CBSSports.com.
3: Danny does absolutely tremendous work there, and every single time he joins this podcast, he has been nails all season long. A big thanks to Danny for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast, and coming next it's that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis for both games on the betting board for this Baseball Friday as we touch them all.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events.
2: Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at sbia1.com today.
1: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
3: hey, back here with Lovie Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get Danny Vietti aboard. He does tremendous work over at CBS Sports. Coupled with that, he does a tremendous job with his own podcast, the Wake and Rake Podcast, which you will get wherever you find your podcasts every single time he joins me. Always lends tremendous insights on this game of baseball that we all know and love. So well, it was great to be able to have him on today. Big thanks to Danny for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. So I give you picks and analysis on both games on the betting board for this Baseball Friday as we... Touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
3: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at GUNIT underscore 81. We are essentially going to be going in time order. The Astros versus Rangers game is first, and then we get Phillies versus Diamondbacks. So... Once I've been with 9-11, 9 on the betting board, it is the Astros on the road facing off against the Rangers. Got to figure that it's going to be Jordan Montgomery against Justin Verlander it has yet to be quite announced because I'm having to do this at the back half of game number four. And with the way that the MLB playoffs is set up, you just don't get openers until the previous game wrapped up. So we are currently doing this a little bit blind, so I do apologize about that. And like I said, if there are any... Those will be listed up on Twitter slash X along with the baseball spreadsheet, which... I've got in the show notes wherever you're downloading this podcast app. But that said, with the Astros, if it is Verlander against Montgomery, set them as a minus 111 favorite. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 110 there, plus 112 or higher. I'll be looking at the Rangers. And then with regards to the total 8.5 or less, I'll be looking at the over a 9 or higher to the under. Last time these two teams went out there in game number one, it was a 2-0 to zero win for the Texas Rangers. I do think that both of these pitchers are going to give up a little bit more now with Jordan Montgomery he's been able to do a rock-solid job here recently as he has given up Two runs or fewer, and now six out of his last seven starts, he had that low nick up against the Baltimore Orioles. But all in all, this guy has been able to go out there. He has been absolutely tremendous, but he does have to go up against the Houston Astros lineup that they had actually much better on the road than they do at home. The last time he faced off against them was in Houston, but overall for the season, Houston Astros are registering in the neighborhood about 4.5 runs per game at home, 5.7 runs per game. On the road, you've seen Jordan Alvarez be absolutely amazing. Probably should have gotten a home run in a game number three, but you saw that home run robbery. But I mean, you take a look at Jordan Alvarez going into game two; he had produced 16 of the team's 24 runs in the postseason before they were able to explode a little bit more in game number three. And it does feel like Jose Altuve starting to come to the forefront as well throughout his postseason career. It's getting a home run every about 18 and a half plate appearances. You've got guys that have been a little bit cold here in the postseason, like Kyle Tucker, that expect to eat up a little bit more and really one through eight. For the Astros, all these guys are able to do a solid job of moving the line, Saints Martín Maldonado, which we all know what to expect out of Martín Maldonado at this point, and I do think that he could get Jeremy Pena going a little bit as well. He's been a little bit cold here in the postseason after last postseason. He was really the team's best player. That'd be big as well, and you know what you're going to be to get out of the Texas Rangers lineup. With the Rangers, when they want to, they could throw out there a lineup in which all but one player during the regular season had at least a 258. That is the lineup that they threw out there yesterday. With the lone exception being at Olasunske, who had 39 home runs. Got just so many guys that they're able to put back to the ball, they're able to move the line, and they're able to give you functional power. Like. Josh Young, along with Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim, Nate Lowe. These are the guys towards the bottom of the fold. All had at least 17 home runs during the regular season. All had at least a 2.58 during the regular season. And then you've got Corey Seager, who's getting a home run every about 13 or so at-bats this year. Has all that postseason experience. Now, Marcus Simeon has been an intriguing case here in the postseason. Entering into yesterday had really been struggling. No home runs in at 35 at-bats. Just hasn't been able to move the line very much, but I think that that should be able to turn around, but I do think that Justin Verlander going to be on par with Jordan Montgomery. Now, the big thing that you want to watch out for for Verlander is it feels like it takes him about two, sometimes three innings to really get his seed legs under him. If he is vulnerable, it is early on during his starts. We saw that in the Minnesota Twins start where he needed to get a pair of double plays to be able to get out of that. We saw that in... Matter of fact, his last start, I believe it was the first ending in which he allowed that sole home run, and then from there he was able to hold down the fort, and he was able to do a relatively solid job. But overall for his career, Justin Verlander in the ALCS, a sub-325 area with about 10 strikeouts to two walks per nine innings. And he's up there in years, 40 years old. Can't think that the strikeout numbers are going to quite be there like they have been at the beginning part of his career, but you know that he's going to be able to give you a big effort. And then for the Houston Astros, they just back him up with a better bullpen. For the Rangers, bullpen has been better recently. You've got a pair of guys that Jose they look rolled as Chapman. That I mean, they're relatively trustworthy, though. Chapman has had some bad memories facing off against the Houston Astros in the postseason. But then, when you go anywhere past that, then you're really rolling the dice. Meanwhile, you do have these guys like Hector Neris, Phil Maton, Brian DeBrayu for the Astros that'll be able to supply a sub three five ERA all throughout the season. It's an Astros team that during the regular season, they were sixth in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. I will say for the Rangers, entering into yesterday, sub 275 with regards to their bullpen ERA, but you got to be feeling a little bit tepid about that, and that's just postseason only, because during the regular season, they had a 477 ERA. That was 24th in the big league, so certainly something to be mindful of there, and I do think that Verlander and Jordan Montgomery both landed a relatively solid start, but as we know, this is very much a hitter's ballpark for the Rangers. They entered into yesterday averaging darn near six runs per contest. Second in the league with regards to home runs on a prep at basis when they have been at home. So, in and for less. Going to be taking a look at the over nine or higher to the under end with the asterisk. One to lay up to a minus 110 with them and then plus 112 or higher. We're going to be taking a look at the Walker Texas Rangers and then we've got 913, 914 on the betting board and this is going to be the DK Network right a pick. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. As Christopher Sanchez gets to start for the Philadelphia Phillies, and Joe Mantiply is going to be throwing a bullpen game for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Right now with the Phillies on openers, find them about a minus 125 to a minus 130 favorite between plus 105 to plus 119, your number on Arizona, 9.5 is the total, the under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120, the over is anywhere between even minus 110, and right up pick here is going to be on the Phillies, I did set them as a minus 138 favorite, Didn't pan out yesterday, but I do think that the Phillies are still in a good spot. They had a rough day at the plate yesterday, but all in all, since the beginning of the month of August, this has been a team that has been averaging 5.7 runs per game, about 1.95 home runs per game as well. So this is still a team that's ripping the cover off a ball. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you just take a look at this team and you don't necessarily have a lot that you're able to rely upon in terms of pitching depth as Ryan Nelson had to be used in relief in game number two. So got to figure that he, along with Slade Sassoni are going to be the two guys that they look to for length, but they're going to pitch what? Maybe three innings. And for Ryan Nelson, I've got my concerns with him if he does have to see a bulk amount of innings because he had an ERA that was north of seven at home this season. Slate Sasani was actually halfway decent, but it's in a very small sample size as well. For Mantiply, he has found himself in the opener spot a few times. And I mean, he's been fine as an opener, but you take a look at what he's done overall for the season. 462 ERA. Gave up three runs in game number two against the Philadelphia Phillies. He's just been all over the place this season. Not someone that I think is going to be able to go out there and get you a lot of strikeouts or anything like that. Certainly he is a pitcher contact guy against Philadelphia Phillies team that I think is going to be making a lot of contact. Meanwhile, for Christopher Sanchez, this guy was very rock solid during the season, giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers were solid. Not great, but you know what? He was in the neighborhood about eight and a half, nine strikeouts per nine innings. I really like the way that he came along this season. And you've got a fail-safe as well. If Christopher Sanchez, designed not necessarily give you the world's greatest start. You've got in your back pocket someone in Taiwan Walker who has sort of been there, done that, has been pretty rock solid with regards to a wins perspective. I can't say that I necessarily love the way that he threw all throughout the season. And the one thing that you do fear with Sanchez is that he does give up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but with the on Diamondbacks Diamondback team. Even though they got the job done yesterday, not like they were necessarily absolutely hitting bombs or anything like that. They were a bottom eight team in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per at basis when they're at home this season. As a matter of fact, they were getting about one home run per game at home and that shot up to more like 1.1-ish home runs per game when they were on the road during the regular season. So do have your concerns there. And for Christopher Sanchez... What else I like as well is that he doesn't necessarily have super demonstrative home and road splits that are off-putting with regards to how he's pitched on the road. As a matter of fact, much better than at home. Now, I will throw this in here as well. He threw about 100 or so innings during the regular season. I think it was exactly 99 and a third. Only 26 of these came on the road, but a 208 road area compared to a 393 area at home. And most of the hard contact they gave up was at home as well. So that's something that makes you feel good for the Philadelphia Phillies. They used up Craig Kimbrell yesterday, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Now you've got a little bit more of your trustworthy relievers at the very least, in my opinion, some like Matt Strom, who's able to give you multiple innings for the Phillies. They've got such a better bullpen in this ordeal. They were 7th of the big leagues with regards to bullpen during the regular season after the month of July. July 1st on, they were a top 3 team with that regard. Meanwhile, for our good friends in the Arizona Diamondbacks overall this season, they were 18th, and now they're going to be going with a boo-boo platter of pitchers against Philadelphia. You feel like you that. Had a rough day yesterday at the plate, but you've got so many guys like Bryce Harper who's been able to give you 20-plus home runs over the last 75 games. You've got Kyle Schwerber already went deep three times in this series. Just everyone one through eight has been solid. Juan Rojas has been having a tough time of it, but Brandon Marsh has been able to do a nice job of being able to move the line Trey Turner. All he does is continue to hit even yesterday. He was still able to find a way on base towards beginning part of that game as well. I do think that the Phillies bats are going to be able to re- wake up and have the, my question marks with the Diamondbacks bottom of the fold as you've had quite a few guys just throughout the postseason with the Arizona and the Diamondbacks like Evan Longoria, like Geraldo Perdomo, Alec Thomas that have not honestly been consistent with Alec Thomas Thomas, Gabriel Moreno. They do have, between the two of them, five home runs as far in the postseason, but I mean, out of their first six hits of the postseason, five of them flew over the fence without that firepower. They have really come back to earth. You've got Quetel Marte, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel have all been able to give you 24 to 25 home runs during the regular season, and you did see Gurriel get a little bit more online in game number three. He was able to get a pair of hits, including a multi-bagger, and I believe that Kitel Marte was the man that was able to drive in the winning run yesterday, but I do have my question marks with you guys at the top of the fold as well, especially with Christian Walker, who's been able to give you 400 on base here in the postseason, but he has been touch and go ever since, really, the beginning of the month of September, so this is an ordeal where my DK Network right a pick is going to be on the Phillies money line, and I did something high total at 9.9, so I'm also going to be taking a look at the over, and that'll wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe, wherever your podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any comments, a question, comment, segment good idea, whatever you have for this podcast, you have know, one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at g 41 Keep in mind, letters they meet us not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other way find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Five that five star review and a big thanks to Danny Vietti of CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake Podcast for joining me in the last segment coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: If you dare.